recording with the one and only Mr. Jeff Nyquist, my friend, on Monday, June 5th, 2023 at 412 p.m. Eastern Time. Um, we were just talking about, of all things, of course, Marxism, uh, diversity, equity, inclusion, and I know people are inclusivity. And I know people are freaking out about Chick-fil-A right now. On that note, we are seeing some weird, I think, Xbox and the Major uh, League Baseball, the MLB, they both got rid of their Twitter Pride logos, I think, three days into Pride Month, which is, is interesting. Um, very. Maybe they've been following what happened at Budweiser. Huh? I think they are. I th- and it's kind of the most hilarious thing where it's like 10 years ago, big corporations are evil. And then it's like 10 years later, the same corporations are rainbow flag. And everyone's like, they're progressive now. It's like, no, they're capitalist. And now that the capitalism is going in the other direction, you're seeing them drop it just like that. But... Guys, in the description are the links to uh, uh, to Jeff's books as well as his Twitter. Mr. Nyquist, how are you doing? I'm okay so far. So far, huh? And uh, America's still here. For We're now. still here. And uh, human nature is still human nature. And despite uh, this, this uh, political correctness of diversity, equity, and inclusiveness, um, you know, the, the question that I ask is, are these things what they're cracked up to be? Yeah. And and we're being spoon-fed in all of our entertainment, in the news and everywhere else that we need to be diverse, we need to seek equity and inclusiveness and I think about the the four cardinal virtues, right? Temperance, justice, prudence, um um and courage, right? And I look at the entertainment, I look at this diversity, equity, inclusiveness. Uh what was meant by justice by the promoters of the great virtues was not equity um and by prudence you don't have inclusivity because who are you including you you've got to have some prudence right there's another virtue that they want to discard and the, and the same thing goes with diversity uh as far as 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 temperance and prudence go you 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 don't want to include everything or everybody uh, because we are specific in our needs and in who we are. Um, we are, human beings are tribal. And that may be unfortunate, part of the tragedy of human existence. Um, but the fact is, is that a diverse community uh, may be an oxymoron. Because it is really community. a bunch of different communities, right? Yeah. That, are, that are supposedly working together. But do they really work together? And, and, and what is dysfunctional here? There is such a thing as a cohesion, but there is also d- division, division and cohesion in, in political entities. And we have to be very careful that we don't balkanize ourselves so that there is no more. You know, what, what really bothered me when I first, it was a communist, I was in a teaching in 1980, was it 83 or 85? I was in teacher education off and on. And I first, you know, heard about this um, multicultural uh, education system. Of course, I had been in a pilot program when I was in 11th grade, U.S. history, and got the the, the first multicultural hi- history book in 1974. Was it 74? Yeah. And it was full of this, you know, we're bad because we killed Indians, we genocided Indians, and we enslaved blacks. We are who. You know, my ancestors came from Sweden. They didn't have slaves. My ancestors. They didn't shoot any Indians. My you know. ancestors fought in Lincoln's army to free the slaves, but, you know, whatever. 
I had a I had an actual Scottish ancestor that fought in the Civil War as a Union officer. No, yeah, no, I have, uh, so I have a tiny bit of Scotsman in me. I think he was a great great grandfather. No, I mean, yeah, but, literal. Um, my dad looked it up. Literal Kerrigans went and fought to mm -hmm. free the slaves. Yeah. Well, a lot of the a lot of people from from uh, Scotland and Ireland and and Wales and and England fought in the Civil War. Yeah. People of that ancestry on both sides. Mm -hmm. um, and and so we've got there's a um, you know, it's a tonic to read Lincoln. It's a tonic to read, you know, the life of George Washington. It's a tonic to read Washington's farewell address where he warned against dividing the country. He says, unity is this blessing that you have and, and that you value. Don't, don't ever let anyone divide you. Well, one of the problems with opening our border and letting everybody in is now we have other nations entering into our nation and now we are going to be divided because they aren't Americans, and it's not like we can wave a wet magic wand, give them welfare, and make them Americans. Why are they coming? Some will want to be Americans. Uh, some will not. And this, what, what really is the game is Marxism, and specifically within the larger left, Marxism-Leninism, which everybody thinks has kind of gone away, or it only exists in China or North Korea or Cuba. Vietnam, etc., the actual overtly Marxist-Leninist states that admit they are still, unlike many that are but don't admit it, like Angola, Namibia, you know, uh, Mozambique, uh, well, not Mozambique, um, Rhodesia, used to be called Rhodesia, right? Um, and uh, so, but it, in America is becoming uh, a Marxist state. And the danger of Marxism is the way I, you know, it's a very complicated, communism is a com complicated subject and you're not supposed to talk about it. It's like nuclear war. You're not supposed to talk about nuclear weapons and you're not supposed to talk about communism. And anybody that does kind of gets ostracized for doing it. And yet these are the pressing issues because the people who've had nuclear weapons pointed at us since, you know, 1949 when Stalin got his, has been Russia, the Soviet Union, and China after 1964 when they got their bomb. Right, and Russia and China are basically still the same. They're aligned. They're part of a block with these other countries. They all help each other out. Whatever anybody, you know, people say, Alan Aquist, you haven't kept up with events. No, you haven't kept up with events. Russia and China are like this. Are you watching? Yeah. Those of us that weren't fooled by the little dance, song and dance of of the 1970s and 80s, that that we got sucked into China to building them up into our the biggest enemy money can buy, we. We were like saying, ah, uh, excuse me, They're, they are communists in China. They're not going to be our good friends. It's, it's like the parable of the man who on a frozen morning sees a poor snake frozen in the road. And he thinks, oh, that poor snake. And he picks him up and he holds the snake to his breast to warm the snake. And, of course, the snake but, warms up and bites him. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah. This is the story of us in China. Um, uh, the thing is, is that. Nations are distinct, and ideologies and theories of politics are distinct, and these people that rule China, not the Chinese people necessarily, sure. are our enemies. Yes. Right? Through and through. And it's, 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 um, it was the, the, the book, The Concept of the Political, um, which, which, uh, which is a, a, a very important theoretical work written, I think, 1927-28, which Chairman Mao took, uh, took uh, took an interest in 
was written by a German jurist who said, look, um, what is the po what is politics? The politics, in essence, is is all involved with the friend enemy distinction. Right. And he said the idea that all men are friends and there can be that you can eliminate enmity from the world is, is utopian. It's nonsense because we have as human beings, we have our distinctiveness. I speak English, you speak English, other people speak other languages. What language are we going to speak in America? Right. There's one issue right there. Yeah. Um, how are we going to tr we, if we speak different languages, if we have different cultures, how is that promote social trust that we are one, that we are together, that we can work together as countries need to do for the common defense and all kinds of other things. And then we're going to pay taxes and share and vote together on how. But now you're going to have like in America, this block of voters, you know, Hispanics or blacks or whatever, just fighting for their stuff for themselves. For their, You know, we want um, reparations, right? Blacks want reparations. Maybe Hispanics want reparations. I mean, American Indians, my gosh, uh, we, we already had the reparations we gave to the Japanese who were put in internment camps during World War II. We've already done that. There's been a history of all kinds of problems and injustices and conflicts because of the multi-ethnic nature of the country. But there was always to hold the country together. There was in the old days, you know, when I was born, I think 89% were were white now it's maybe what 69 percent white i don't know what it is maybe it's 70 something percent white and it's getting smaller and so as the country as the the larger group identity which was you know americans were largely this one group that felt cohesion and not even that because you had all these immigrants from Europe that were coming in and you had Italian Americans and German Americans and and we had problems with the different groups you know every group had its own set of problems uh, integrating with the society uh, the melting pot is part true and part myth and now if you want to have people who do not share a Christian heritage, do not share the same race, do not. So can they be melted? What happens to America? Does the melting pot work or does it break down? And, you know, I know there's these, you know, people who are racists who, you know, use this as leverage to make their points. I, I don't I don't adhere to any racialist theories except that the pragmatism of a person saying wait a minute look what happened in yugoslavia they're all the same race they all speak the same language they all have the same skin color only the 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 uh, the serbians their grandparents their grandparents not even them went to the the orthodox church right and the croatians their grandparents went to the catholic church and the bosnians their grandparents went to the to the mosque so they're all the same people in all these regards, but their grandparents had a different religious faith. And so then in the Tito dies, the communist regime comes apart, Yugoslavia comes apart, and it's this bloody, nasty civil war. Mm. And they've been living as one people under communism all the for decades. And then it's a and it's like, wait a minute. Do you you wouldn't you want to do everything you can? to prevent that from becoming your country yeah. by limiting the differences that exist in your country. 
uh, to to making it so that you you don't end up bifurcated into into two, three, four, five different actual nations. Because what do people identify as, right? That's the big question that in political correctness they want. You know, what do I identify with? Well, I look like a man, but I identify as a woman. Well, with ethnicity, it you have a similar thing, except it's with culture, it's some people want to be American. They want to speak English. They want to adopt our culture. Uh, but some people, they've come here. And it, the, the thing about multiculturalism, I was going to say, is that uh, there's no American culture no. in a multiculture. Where where did America go? How are you an American? I'm a multi-what? What are you? You're Heinz 57? Uh, which, <laughs> how do you even make sense of that? And of course, it's a formula for divide and conquer. Yeah. Because who is making the issue out of race and sexual differences? The left, yeah. the people that are putting – that claim that they're going to get rid of racism, sexism, and classism, they're the ones making a big deal out of it to ostracize who exactly? The most racist thing you can do is make a big deal out of race, right? It how seems many, to be. I mean yeah, I've, right literally, I've literally had emails about uh, how I haven't had enough black female guests. I'm like just – this is – what you should do is just – listen to the podcast and not watch because that's that's the content of the character right but no it's well there i mean look at candace owens have her on if she would come on but she's probably too big of a star to come on your show But, but it's but it's like to look at the podcast and to say there's not enough black females i see another white male you are immediately you are admitting that you see a difference because it should be, oh, you're just doing episodes about topics. But instead, it's, well, well, why is it bad that I have Jeff Nyquist on? Because he's another white male. Well, what's bad about another white male? Are they are they superior to black female guests? Are they inferior? Is there a difference? Is there a well? The thing is, is you want to okay, so you want to be, you want to do something interesting. You want to do something that you relate to. Yeah. So uh, I, I, I relate to Candace Owens. I'm fascinated. I, I love Thomas Sowell yeah. as, as a writer, as an economist, as a social no, thinker. No amazing guy. Amazing bi- biography. No solutions. Would lo- only but just, just fascinated by him. Um, and, and, of course, there's been, there's been all these people that have made these tremendous contributions that are, that are not white, right? Um, and the thing is, what's interesting is that Candace Owens – and Thomas Sowell were viciously attacked mm. as not being black. Yeah. Right? Yeah. They're white. They just happen to have black skin. Who who's the California who ran for Larry, who is it? Ran in California. Larry Eldar. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah, I used, yeah. I used the used to, to him when I lived in LA. He face was on LA supremacy. Talk Radio. Yeah. How very smart, articulate, it's philosophically so ra- right on guy. It's so right? racist. When they're like, Well, he's not really black. Well, because he, he's not no because he you left see, he left your plantation that's what it is, is right. you've gone 160 he, years instead of a bullwhip you call it a, a twitter profile but it's the same shit you're saying you're saying that boy ran off the plantation that's what they're saying well because in the plantation is run by who it's run by the marxists yes. and of the marxists the marxist leninists you go back you got to know your history here about how russia and china saw a race war in America between blacks and whites as a major project that they wanted to engage in. Of course. To support Marxist-Leninist groups like the Black Panthers, 
right? And to, but, but they got and to use black inner city gangs to indoctrinate them and use them for drug trafficking out of drugs passing through Cuba, coming from Colombia and uh, from Colombian guerrillas out in the jungles of South Africa that were, were raising cocaine to make this to enrich these gangs, to give them arms to prepare a revolution in America, a violent Marxist revolution. And so this, this thing of Marxism looms large and, and everybody loses it because this narrative, they've disguised the Marxist narrative They've transformed it. They've updated it. Updated. And by the way, Lenin and Marx said, you got to always update the narrative. They said it themselves. Lenin updated Marx hmm. with his theory of imperialism. And so Leninism was an update of Marxism. And, and the Frankfurt School and everything they did was an update of Marxism. And this diversity, equity, inclusiveness is an update of Marxism. It's the current form of narcissism for neurotic Westerners, because it appeals to the neurosis of the angry feminist. And I, I do say that, that, you know, my joke about feminists is it's a woman trapped in a woman's body. And so that, that, that's the thing is that, look, you are a woman. You know, why are you angry? You should enjoy it. You should enjoy who you are. You should embrace who you are. You shouldn't be angry that somebody else is a man and that embrace men the divine feminine have yeah the men have a certain characteristics you hate those characteristics you're a woman you're supposed to be attracted to those characteristics what are you a woman that's not attracted to a man and then we get to the next step which is lesbianism right mm. and so it's like and they want to divide men from women See, if you look at Marx's formula, his basic formula, right? It's the bourgeoisie and the proletariat. All history is the history of heretofore of class struggle. Of course, it's not even true. You know, you can think of plenty of wars that weren't class struggle. Go back to the beginning of history. Herodotus told us about the war where the Persians invaded Greece. That was a class struggle. Persians were coming out of Asia. They were invading Greece. There's no class struggle. It was just Greece versus Persia. There was a huge war, a series of wars that ended with Alexander the Great conquering Persia. No class struggle. You know, Rome versus Carthage. Where's the class struggle? You know, World War II, the Nazis versus, you know, the West. There's no class struggle. In the invasion of France by the Nazis, there's no class struggle. Class struggle is just a, just a myth. Karl Marx and Friedrich Engels invented to justify a revolution that they could be on top and they could be like little gods. Mm. They could get everybody to believe this nonsense because in the divide and conquer game where they could get in charge was they looked around and look at all these numerous poor people who are working so hard in the Industrial Revolution, the workers in the cities. Wow, you can get those. They can form big mobs in the cities. They can take over like the revolution of 1848. So they see this is the perfect vehicle. So we'll create an ideology for the workers making a mob, getting grievances and forming their own, you know, state, workers state. And we'll be in charge of it because the reality of Karl Marx was he grew up with the figure of Napoleon who came out of the French Revolution who conquered Europe. So, hey, we could come out of a revolution too and we could conquer Europe. That's a real thought underlying Marx yeah. and Engels. Um if you really read the biographies and look at the social context of the 19th century, that's what it really means. But, but now you see what we have is we don't – the proletariat became prosperous in America. 
the working man, he had a great life. He had a house in the suburbs. He had a nice, uh, nice car. He had all these nice things they filled the house with. And it's like, why would you revolt? You know, life is good in America. Yeah. So you lost the proletariat. So you couldn't divide America into a civil war with the with leading the proletariat to victory to smash capital. You couldn't do it. And it didn't even work in Europe for the most part. It worked in Russia and China where they didn't really even have capitalism. It was the capitalism was really just starting out in Russia. And of course the working conditions were rather miserable. But they also dragged the peasantry into it, the workers and the peasants, you know. So they modified Marx's theory to include the peasantry. And then, of course, kicked the peasants in the teeth and took their land away and collectivized oh, it. Footnote. You know, in 1929, when Stalin said the NAP was, you thought we weren't communists? The NAP was a trick. Now we're going to collectivize. Now you're going to see real socialism. Um, but, but, but here in America, how do you divide people to make a revolution? Where are you going to get your, your angry people to revolt against the, 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 the system? Well, it's the, the angry women. You find those, you know, there's always these, this subset in the population who are dissatisfied with their lives. And then you find minorities. Well, there's got to be people who are black, Hispanic, Indian, who are going to blame the, the problems of their own life on what happened to their ancestors. And, and maybe not even in the more recent past, even, you know, when you got Jim Crow going on until the 1950s or, or 1960s. So, so you, you, you find the discontented as, as much as you can. You find the imperfections in society and you, then you make your divide and conquer lines. You have your haves and your have nots and you cobble them together. You look at the program of the Communist Party USA right now, a Marxist Leninist party that originally swore its allegiance to Moscow. That party's program uh, says that the revolution is about making, getting a majority out of women, minorities, immigrants, transgenders, right? All the aggrieved groups. If you have an aggr a grievance, you can be the new proletariat. You, know, you don't have to be a worker. Mm. You don't have to be a, a laborer. You can be the proletariat just because you feel you got a raw deal. You know, being a woman being a black guy who didn't get you know the right opportunities being an american indian whose people got smashed you know in the indian wars in the past being an immigrant who's poor and not white and then the assume the assumption is is these all these white people are racist they're all evil and of course the reality is america is the system as thomas sowell points out that had the greatest opportunity for black people on the planet Despite the problems, and in fact, Sowell makes the argument that American blacks, the racism that they did face, made them stronger, made their community stronger. As long as they were free to build their own schools, make their own businesses, he says they were actually prospering until the welfare state came in and said, oh, you, you got a boo-boo. We're going we're gonna to give you all this money. And then that – if you want to ruin somebody, give them free money. Of course. Well, if you don't – I mean, yeah, no, that it is – they are playing the role of of savior, but by doing that, you're creating a perpetually dependent class of people. Yeah, yeah, it's corrupting and it's horrible. And 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 I mean, that the LB, smartest that LBJ most... quote that I can't actually quote. Yeah. We'll, we'll have hard R's voting Democrat for the next two hundred years. And it's funny, the Democrats were the ones that suppressed them to begin with. The Democratic Party was 
behind slavery, was behind the slave system in the South. Um, and you would think they would all be voting Republican. Well, it's like the same people tweeting at like DeSantis or uh, Governor Abbott. Have you, I don't know if you've seen those in the last couple of days where it's it's some uh, immigrant worker and he's like throwing entire bushels of like apples up into this big thing. And it's, it's fucking impressive. He's just hurling them up there. But the, uh, the 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 quote is, is like, DeSantis, how are you going to replicate this? But what it's saying is, is like, or it's the, that other quote where it's like, if we close down the borders, who's going to clean all of our toilets? Like, you are, you're seeing the admitted, that's how you view them. They're your cattle. And it's, yeah, no one yeah. bats an eye. They just go, it's stunning and well, brave. And it's like, you know, there's, a, there's another, you know, there's another aspect to this. The way we've spoiled our own people, the way our own people don't do hard work. I mean, when I was, a, it used to be in this country, in America, for generations and generations, all the hard work was done, guess what, by teenagers. Yeah. And people in their early 20s. Yeah. You know why? Because they had the bodies that could do it. Yeah. yeah you take somebody labor. that's older and you put them in that backbreaking labor and that basically their their joints give out. Yeah. They just – their bodies give out. So we had – who brought in the harvest every year? Why do you think summer vacation existed? <clears throat> summer vacation existed so the kids could go to the farm and bring in the harvest. Huh. Yeah, I guess that I, could yeah. do that, that. That that was the way America worked. Now we're going to import people from other countries to come in and do it. Teenagers from other countries, young people from other countries, uh, to do this labor. And the thing is, is that that this was this is a a kind of indulgence that Americans are some because we became so rich. We don't our kids don't have to do this, but it was it was really a mistake to not do for yourself. To not do your own labor. It's just like a mistake of of trading with China and having China make all these things for us. No, no, no. You become dependent. They become part of your supply chain mm. and they can yank your chain, right? Yeah, yeah. They can yank your supply chain. So so when we look at at, at these and, and one of the things Marxism does, one of the promises of Marxism is that the world's gonna, you know, the John Lennon song, I always mention it because yeah. it's so evil. Yeah. You know, imagine there's no countries. The world can be as one. Imagine there's no religion, no God above. No you know, we can all just be one, happy food. We have nothing to disagree about, right? We're gonna all be, you know, a mix of vanilla and chocolate, the perfect blend of vanilla and chocolate. Yeah. And it's gonna come out just perfect. Yeah. As if anybody's ever even tasted ice cream that I mean swirl, yes, but it is no, nobody would no. take a half vanilla, half chocolate ice cream. You yeah. want vanilla or you want chocolate? Right? I was I was having sushi with my parents last night. My dad spent four decades in the food industry and got to eat at the best places on the planet. And I was asking him what his favorite meals were, and he, he like waited for a minute. And he goes, "I mean, like you." He goes, "You can't answer that." He goes, "It's what's your favorite burger? What's your favorite steak? What's your favorite sushi?" He goes, "You can't." You can't, you can't mix them, and it's the, it's the same thing. It's John Lennon just you know you know no uh, no God above us, no hell below. Imagine all the pe you're describing a godless concentration camp. Basically, <laughs> right? hey, he so is sounds like yeah. Auschwitz. Hey, we all have the same clothes. He, he is, <laughs> yeah, because you know we'll get rid of the Jews because they're different. We'll yeah. get rid of everybody that's different, and everyone in the whole world will be the same. We'll mm. homogenize mankind. Yeah. That is just that is just a different way of doing the Holocaust. Yeah. Yes. Just a different way of doing it. And and the thing is, is that, um, uh, you know, what do the French say? Viva la différence. You know, thank God people are different. Thank God there is all this diversity. But 
if you if you claim that diversity is supposed to mix and all become one thing, you're getting rid of diversity. You're contradicting yourself. You um, you're inherently saying it's it's it, again it's it's a meta form of racism. It's saying that we have to have cultures. If yeah. you truly if you truly are not racist, you look at all cultures as just beautiful manifestations of God. You look at Switzerland or you look at Mexico City or you look at some fucking shit in Italy and you go, it's all so beautifully its own thing. You don't go, right. you don't go, they all need to be, I mean, the idea is that like, we all need to be the same exact height with the same exact skin color. And it's like, no, like seeing like seven foot three black shack dunking and then watching like a short white guy, like get a gold medal and, and figure skating. Those are all beautiful differences. You don't, you don't say we got to merge them. No, you go, that's incredible. I mean, what, what are we now? We're going to have to have, you know, quotas on hockey teams of players from Con the Congo, right? I always say this. I'm a 5'8 white guy. No part of me, I don't show up to NBA walk-on tryouts. I, I play my <laughs> position, which is a podcast. I get it. I know where I am, man. I know where I am. And it's, but it's that same thing. And it, it's an inherent... It's a hatred of all the, they, it's, oh, I mean, it really is almost a poetic thing about, uh, it is Satanism. It's an inversion of all things beautiful and growing and different. And it's, you have to get rid of all differences. It's all self-hatred and it, it's all dressed up as something. Like, as we were saying before the podcast about, you know, marketing and stuff. And it's, if it's good, the people will come, you know, if it's a good song, you'll find it. You'll find it on your own. Like I found a, a song yesterday. I've been listening to it on repeat. And it's got like 10 million views. No one ever broadcasts it. I just found it. And I was like, this is incredible. And I've shared it with people. You don't need to force a good song on people. It spreads on its own. So with that same thing, I, I, I think of like the angler fish with the, with the little, the light, the nice little light. And it pulls you in. You go, oh, it's so warm. It's like that scene from Finding Nemo. Oh, it's so warm. I just want to touch it. And as you get closer, you see the big yellow decaying claws of the monster coming out of the depths. It's the same thing as a pedophile rolling up in a van saying, I got balloons, candy, and puppies. If A parent doesn't need to do that. It's just your parent. You love your parent. You run to them like a little kid. If someone rolls up with a trench coat on and goes, hey, kids, I got candy, they are putting a facade on because they know that their real form of pedophile, of the perversion of innocence, is pure fucking evil. So when I see this thing about it's all rainbow. I mean, it's literally a rainbow flag. We love each other. When you have to say, like, I am inclusive and I am tolerant, if you have to say these things, man, then you're not that. A real Well well, we love unicorns, right? But do you see the problem is there's no such thing as a unicorn. Well it's it's but that's that's my point, is like the real are you racist or not? Like, dude, no, the mo the non racist people I know are just good people. Black, white, whatever the fuck. They're just they're just good they're never like, I'm not racist. They they're just good people. When someone has to tell you that they are tolerant and inclusive I'm like, you're going out of your way. No one ever rolls up and goes, you know, hey, you want to go on a date? If you roll up and you go, do you want to go on a date? I don't have a criminal record and I promise I'm not going to kill you. You're like, huh? It's a very like, why are you, why, you know, why are you, your parents walk in. I didn't, I didn't drink your alcohol. What? I didn't take the cookies, mom. I wasn't even going to do that. But now I'm guessing you took the cookies. It's a, it's a telltale sign. So when it's. Yeah, when it's all rainbows and it's all hands holding hands, and we're all one people. Well, they make it sound good. Well, that's they, the thing is they, they put so much sound, effort. 
into right. putting makeup yeah, be, on it because that it's evil. If you're yeah, if you're going to corral people into a totalitarian <clears throat> state, you can only trick them by promising them something. But that, it's just that, that. sounds good. It's, it's just that though. It's tricking. No one's tricking you into working for Apple. You look at it, you go, it's the most it's the most valuable company in the world. They have the most competitive salaries. I'm going to apply there. You you are tricked into a concentration camp. You're tricked. It's a it is a trap door. It is a bear trap. It is a mouse trap. It's a trick. And the people that are setting the trick know it's a trick because they know their true intentions are nothing short of demonic. Sorry, I'll stop interrupting you. I'm getting I'm getting yeah, ja I'm getting no, jacked it's, up. No, it's no, it's it's exactly right. So what it you know, uh, James Lindsay who does these new discourses, uh I mentioned him, you should look him up and the people should look him up on YouTube. He really he comes from a similar uh, background of 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 reading as I do and he sees all of this diversity equity inclusiveness he sees it as part of marxism he I, i'm not sure if he sees the connection to china and russia uh, which i'll discuss in a little bit but um the, the the key distinction of communists you know there's two kinds of communists in the world there's the communists that want to disarm their own countries and they're all in the west and there's the communists that want to power and and arm their country while seeing the other countries disarm. So that's two kinds of communists. This is very interesting whether or not we're going to see the, the communists in the West suddenly wake up and go, how come our country, our communist countries we're building are, have to give up their weapons? Hmm. You know, the argument is that we're evil imperialist capitalist countries. We're not communists yet. But if they're going to turn them into communist countries and it requires to get rid of the weapons, how come – how come the other side, you need know, to see Russia invading Ukraine and so on. It's like, wait a minute, what is this? You know, so there's scams within scams, yeah, right? This yeah. is the scam within the scam. Circles within it just circles. can never be simple yeah. with these people. Um, uh, but, um, but to know that, um, that, you know, uh, James Burnham, who had been a Trotskyite and um, left communism, famously wrote a bunch of books, but one of his books, aside from the, 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 the Machiavellians, which is worth reading, uh, he he basically said uh, politics is about three things. It's about power, power, and power. Okay, so it's about power. And guess what? We trick you into the do, doing this, and you were giving us all the power because yeah. we promised you this bright future, this world where all the world will live as one. You just have to give us all the power. Give us the power. That's it. It's always given it to them. It's always and so the that's caveat. what the culture war. Yeah. And of course, uh, James Lindsay's point is really key. And you and he does a good job of underscoring it, which is a point I've made for years because I come out of the teaching profession and the university and, and so on is that what they did is they went into the universities, they infiltrated them and they they basically colonized the universities and the schools. The, the communists did. The Marxists did. And then from the once they got control of that, you see what they've done in the schools is that if you if you're not politically correct, if you don't take their agenda, you're just not wanted. You're not going to get tenured. You're not going to get promoted. You're not. You're going to be ostracized. You're in a very difficult position, like Mr. Lindsay was ostracized, like I was even before that because I was more outspoken. Um, and the, and 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 you get kicked out of academia, and you go, "Wow, they they really do control it. They do." But here's the problem: is it as as you you study uh, modern economics and modern government, everything from corporations to the government agencies, they're run by administrative staff. 
And what is the quality? What is the one qualification for administrative staff? Going to school. Yeah. Getting a degree. You're the manager of a government office. You're the assistant manager of a government office. You have these different jobs in the government offices. Most of them require a college degree or a higher degree. And so they colonized the universities. And then from the universities, their colony extends to government and corporate elites. Well, really, the the government and corporate bureaucracy, not actually the elites. But the elites are also captured by by the whole process of the thing. And so we're being taken over. And what Lindsay says is fascinating. He says, I mean, what do we do to stop it? We have to stand up and say no as a people. And that's going to be tough to do. And we we have to throw them out. We have to take away their control of the universities and the administrative. But you see organs. But you look at the Soviet revolution, uh, the communist revolution, the Soviet Union. Once they got control of the administration of the country, you couldn't get rid of them. It was too late. They controlled the police, they controlled the army, they controlled the intelligence services. At that point, you're locked in. You're in a totalitarian state. And right now, we're in a proto-totalitarian state. That is, they are observing, for the most part, the freedoms in the Constitution, but only because they maybe haven't realized the administrative power they have to just do whatever they want. Mm. Now, there's a hitch to that, that like what happened in Ukraine in 2014, if they do what they want, if they act like um, communists, uh, like totalitarians, uh, that the people will rise up and they'll have to flee to Havana or Moscow or Beijing, like Yanukovych and thousands of others who fled. It wasn't just people, you know, Yanukovych wasn't overthrown. He fled. He abdicated when he'd used so much violence on the Ukrainian people and millions of Ukrainians stood up. But it wasn't just him that fled. Because there's no such thing as a dictator rules and controls all. He's got his buddies. He's got his team. He's got his administrative um, machine. And when when they start to flee, when they go, then the revolution becomes real. Hmm. You know. So what is Canada? It's the Tories that left the colonies after the American Revolution. Hmm. Where did they go? Somewhat back to Britain, but others went to Canada. Okay. So. So you see, it's it's you have to break up the form the power formation, which is the administrative part of society that actually makes the rules and carry and enforces the rules. And right now, the big problem is we're where Ukraine was under Yanukovych. Only our Yanukovych is called Biden, and he he is at least, although he's a clown, in its um, its clown world, you know. <clears throat> in big letters because when he speaks he's not talking about reality he's talking about that <coughs> unreal thing that they all believe in that's has no connection with the real reality the diversity equity and inclusiveness thing the political correctness thing the angry feminist thing hmm. this isn't reality this is somebody's neurosis hmm. and so um they're trying to create a totalitarian state on the back of that that's what's really going on. And in Russia and China, they set it on because, as John Barron said in 1980, there's, you know, there's 50 to 60, 70,000 East Bloc agents operating in the United States. What were they doing? 
They were advancing, helping the Communist Party, helping all the subversive groups in America to get more power in the media, in business, in in banking, in politics, everywhere. Hmm. This is what you see from the 1960s on, why we lost the Vietnam War, why everything started to change in America, why we now – there's all this uh, you know, anti-Americanism by Americans. And it's even the right has embraced it because they found ways now to manipulate the right. Mm. Because guess what? Right-wing people can be neurotic and crazy just like left-wing people. And that's what you want. You want the country to be as neurotic and confused and disoriented as possible. And then you control the administrative organs and they all have to look to you. And if they don't, if anybody doesn't like it, you just get rid of them. Mm. And you could use the left to get rid of them or the right to get rid of them. The scissors strategy, you know, you just, you, you just keep them out of the game. And then you make sure the game ends with America being destroyed so that, well, you're not going to – what, if Russia and China want a, a competition from America to be the number one communist country, the number one totalitarian country? No. No, they don't want that competition. They want America gone. As yeah. as General Chiao Chen said, we want to make a new – we want to make a second China in America and exterminate all the people in the lower 48 states. You know, Russia's going to Russia's gonna get uh, Alaska and parts of Canada. Yeah. That's the future that they have for us, yeah. which if they hadn't stumbled in Ukraine, they might have moved closer to. But still, the craziness here domestically um, is is ongoing. I mean, uh, they, the, the, the Marxism is a highly corrupt. It produces you look at a Marxist organization and you're looking at a corrupt organization. You're looking at all kinds of graft and all kinds of thievery and all kinds of lying and because that's what it produces. Because when you have a corrupt view of reality, when the truth – when you the first thing you corrupt is the truth coming out of your mouth. The next thing is you corrupt everything else you touch. It's like Midas in reverse. Yeah. Everything you touch doesn't turn to gold. It turns to crap. But you're collecting gold the whole while by yeah. feeding this crap to other people. Yeah. Sorry, I'm I'm just listening. Keep going. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, I was so, I'm sitting here yeah. like an idiot. I'm no, like, yeah, it, yeah, I yeah. mean, it is. It's impossible. And the thing is, is that it's really hard for people to wrap their head around it, because so many of the messages, so much of the messaging around us is is disorientating, disorienting us, and confusing us, and getting us to accept these false ideas and false values. And the example is TV. And I was telling you before the show what I was, why I was getting into this is that. I had heard about this TV show, Yellowstone, that's so popular. I think it's like one of the biggest shows. And I watched the first two seasons that I go, huh. And, you know, there's a lot of things that are very disturbing in that show. But I realized I could see the Marxist theme in it. You have – see if this sounds familiar. You have the biggest ranch in America, seven generations, right? And it's it's a big it's a big enterprise, right? It's ca it's American capitalism, but it symbolizes more than just American capitalism. It, it symbolizes the frontier of America, the individualism, the 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 how America was cut out of the wilderness, uh, you know, and we stole it from the Indians and and so on. And it's it's very much in this mold. And this ranch, this seven generation ranch, is under attack from all sides. The Indians want the land back. Uh, there's all these uh, other capitalist forces and social forces and government forces that are just against it. 
And so it's you can see the the message is that the, it's going to come to an end. The ranch is going to be wiped out. All ranchers are going to be wiped out. Capitalism is going to. So it's a metaphor for capitalism. Hmm. And so it's clear this is what it is when you see all the little bits and pieces. They're all pointing to it. The characters are saying, and but yet it's capitalism in this drama depicted through the eyes of a Marxist. Because Marxists don't view capitalism the way Max Weber viewed it when he wrote The Spirit of Capitalism and the Protestant Ethic, where he said, look, it's, it's a, it was – capitalism has always existed, but it's always been piratical capitalism, right? But in the modern West, you had this noble capitalism emerge because deeply religious people, primarily Protestants, believed that it was a – a sign of their salvation, and it was the 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 mark of a, of of spirituality, to be a good steward of money, and mm -hmm. to create wealth, and to advance it not for the sake of wealth, but for the sake of the person's soul, that you're doing the right thing, you're following God's will. It's like the story from the New Testament of the of the talents, right? These these guys are these three guys are given talents, and the one guy, you know, Good. then God comes and, you know, what did you do with the talents? What did you do with the talents? And and one guy, I buried it in the ground to save it. No, nope, he wasn't any good. And then, you know, but the guy who made something out of it, right, is the one that God blesses. So this is sort of like the story in the Bible that that gives the blessing to the accumulation of wealth not because because the deeper meaning of the story isn't about making wealth it's about having a bounty from the bounty that is in your soul hmm. that is coming from god Go that god has given multiply. you this right yeah it's a it's it's a very spiritual thing as max weber shows but see what they do is the marxists believe that it's just dog eat dog capitalism that that the original sin was private property Right, and and the biggest ranch in America is the biggest private property there is. So it it is emblematic of of that original sin, right? Because we put a fence around it and we divided it up and we said this is mine and this is yours. That was wrong, right? That's what the communist wants. Because who's going to then? All right, what is what is what is the saying from that Danish politician? Um, you will own nothing and you will be happy. <laughs> you will earn nothing and you will be happy. It's, uh, well, that's well, Klaus Schwab borrowed it from a Danish oh, okay. I didn't politician know named Aachen. Um, she's, she's a, she's a Danish politician and she, she you thought of it. A social, a socialist, a Danish socialist. You will be happy, Mr. Nyquist. That's right. You will own nothing. And so of course the original sin being property. So, so, so of course. Capitalism is depicted as gangster capitalism, mm -hmm. so it's co it's a cowboy mafia in this series. This is a this is like the Sopranos meet Rawhide. Right? This is what this show is, but yet it is very funny. It bears an incredible resemblance to so-called Russian capitalism. Right when a bunch of Soloviki Soloviki are given control of the Russian economy by the Communist Party, look, you run it for a while. We have to convince them we've got a capitalist economy. And what do they do? It's a it's gangland Russia, right? Mm. Because that's their only understanding of capitalism. For Marx, it's the original sin, and a capitalist is just a gangster by any other name. They have no conception of the beauty of the thing that was created out of the Industrial Revolution from in the Protestant countries. They have no idea and, and how it lifted 
men out of poverty and despair and hopelessness in this world uh that 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 you know that that is not um understood by a lot of people certainly not by marxists so this drama depicts this wicked you know the original sin of property and of course it's the curse of the continually having to murder people and dump them in the canyon in wyoming right in the series and the daughter of the rancher you know um Beth Dutton, it's uh, it's the Dutton Ranch, and John Dutton is the rancher. He's the the big guy, and of course, um, I can see where a lot of people uh, would identify with this rancher because they kind of feel like they're part of the old America that's going away, and they're besieged like him. He is, but what they're failing to realize is that they're claiming he's a gangster. He's a murderer. Hmm. That they're making him out, and he—he's actually—he's the head of the Cattlemen's Association, so he uses the government to get his to to defend his property, like the Marxists say the capitalists do. Um, you know, it's it's right down the line. But the daughter, the daughter, wants the ranch broken up, and who does she fall in love with? One of the ranch hands, the proletariat. Yeah, though, yeah, so okay. she's for the proletariat, and she can't wait for the ranch to be broken up. The revolution. When capitalism is gone, and yet you know she feels sorry for her dad, who's the capitalist. She doesn't want him. But you see how the whole thing is is a construction, and so it is full of these values. So that even so much that they've got atheism in there, they make fun of Christianity, they attack the Catholic Church uh, because it persecuted the Indians. It, they they do, and of course some of these things are true, right? Some some, but it's exaggerated, and it's politicized. And it's but it's 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 massive entertainment. So it is the Aristotle said that in, you know, basically a drama is for entertainment, but there's a message in it, hmm. a message about good and evil. And there's an education in it. So what is the message? The message is all these political correctness things. The 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 rancher's oldest son, uh, Casey Dutton, marries an Indian girl who just happens to be a, become a college teacher who who basically browbeats young white uh, undergraduates who she says that they don't even deserve her about how Columbus murdered the Indians, how Columbus wanted to enslave the Indians and how, you know, so it's, it's the, 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 all of the Marxist sub themes, racism, sexism, classism are put in there. And the ranch of course is the cause of the racism sexism classism well that's what what the marxists say is that uh capitalism causes racism it causes sexism it causes i mean this goes back to marx and engels saying saying this you're just taking um, all of the natural character flaws of humans and just saying it's 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 one it's one thing for democrats yeah. and republicans i mean it's all bullshit but let's just say theoretically they were different it's one thing to argue well they're for more military or they're for more welfare programs it's another thing if i run for office and i go you know under president biden under president biden your dogs get old and you have to put them down under president biden there's rain it's just like yeah under president biden you stub your toe and i'm just taking these things that are part of life and i'm pinning them on someone else but it's no one did that but what you're doing is you're building yourself up. You know, under under my administration, uh, the sun will never set. It'll always be sunny. Uh, your car will never run out of gas. You'll never uh, break a glass. Uh, you'll never run out of toilet paper. And it's like, no, 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 no. You can't do that. Um, Jeff, tell everybody where to find you. I got to go use the restroom real quick. Yeah. Welcome to Jeff's um, Cast. 
grnyquist.blog, the crass commercial message brought to you by a bathroom break. Um, grnyquist.blog, J-R-N-Y-Q-U-I-S-T.blog. Um, you can go to Amazon uh, if you are able and um, find my books. The Fool and His Enemy is my favorite one. Uh, but there's also the um, uh, the Lies We Believe In, uh, which is also available, and um, the new the uh, new tactics of global war, uh, and of course, if you um, write to me uh, at jrnyquist at aol dot com, uh, I could tell you how to get the uh, my original work, which was my workbook, which I worked out a lot of these things in. It's called the Origins of the Fourth World War, and and people will ask me what what that means. It's it's because um, the origins of the f Second World War were in the first. The origins of the third are in the second. The origins of the fourth are in the fifth. And you can keep on counting and as high as you like until humanity is unable to make war anymore. But the history of humanity is the history of wars. So the origin of the Fourth World War is the Third World War. So the book is really about the Third World War. Um, sorry for confusing everyone. Um, but people who read the book actually will get that. I always, that's my test to, to see if people actually read it. Um, so, uh, so anyway, um, getting back to the Yellowstone thing, uh, I imagine that uh, a, a lot of people, I, I told a friend about how Yellowstone has these Marxist themes in it, and he, he said to me, he said, you could find Sasquatch in Manhattan, but uh, it's because if, if you do not have discernment, and this is what James Lindsay talks about. You're not going to see these underlying themes because in a culture war, it's a it's information warfare is about controlling your mind, controlling your brain, and and if you if they can get your thought to be restructured into the way they want your thoughts to be, then they can basically control what happens, what you are going to do next, or what you're willing to vote for or buy into. So. That's kind of how that all works. And we're um, back. Under yeah. Marxism will alleviate you of bathroom breaks. Under capitalism, your bladder gets full of water and you have to go to the bathroom. See, it's very And you simple. just you just have to wear a diaper or leak all over your seat. Yeah, no, it's just no. We'll get rid of the urge to urinate under Marxism. That's a capitalist creation. That's true. It is it is basically um it's because that's what of class you, distinctions. It is. Yeah. It's racism. And it's, it's. See, that's what happens when you spoil yourself with water. That's the excesses of the rich. If he had had only as much water as he needed, he would never urinate, which isn't biologically true. But who cares? Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Well, all the unpleasantness in the in life in the world, and the unpleasantness is sort of built in. Uh, people experience frustration and they don't like it. And if somebody's going to promise them that they can give them the perfect world they might be willing to buy into it hmm. because, they, you know, life is painful and and it's hard and we would want it to be a lot easier than it is. And and what's interesting is that it doesn't matter how rich you are. It doesn't matter how comfortable you are. Whatever your comfort level is, you're still going to have pain. And that pain is going to be uh, similar to the, the pain that you suffered when you were less comfortable. Hmm. It's just it's whatever you're adapted to. You know, it's a matter of adaptation. So you're always going to suffer some kind of frustration. You're going to have what you want thwarted. You're going to have unpleasant things happen in your life. 
no matter what you do, it's going to happen. There's nobody escapes this. It's just sort of built into the way life is, is, you know, life is this mystery, this process that is actually spiritual at the higher levels and that down at the lower levels is, is where we, we, we suffer down at the lower levels and we suffer up at the higher levels. And it's mm. interesting. There's a relationship between what we're suffering spiritually and what we suffer physically. Mm. That's an interesting point in itself. And, and, but people think that politics, some kind of revolution or change in the political system is going to prevent the world from working the way it does. To prevent those lessons from being meted out, I think, by God, is, is, is that God is meeting them out to us because it's a form of love, right? And that, that look, we're, nobody leaves this world alive. If you really think that the world is an accident, right, that it happened just because some atoms rubbed together and made molecules and made life, you, okay, go ahead and believe that if you want to. But it's completely absurd. Yeah. Because everything is so ordered around us, and here we are, intelligent beings living in this ordered universe, this ama amazingly ordered universe that could not have been come into existence except for some kind of higher intelligence, much higher than we are, right? So for what purpose are we here? It's like, it, it seems rather obvious. It's like breaking down this podcast to being like, it's just photons. It's just and you and you could you could dissect it physically. It's it's just photons and it's sound waves being put into bytes and ones and zeros and there's optic fibers and copper wires and there's LEDs and OLEDs and QLEDs and there's an internet server and the, sure you could you could entirely break this podcast down. But then when you watch the podcast, would anyone in the right mind go? This was just a natural amalgam. This was just an amalgamation of of. You, you go, no, these are two sentient beings talking about a subject, right. and they decided well, it, to do it. it. A good example is is in when we're, you know, I, dis I discussed Yellowstone and that show. Let's look at Quentin, Quentin Tarantino. What the heck is the matter with him? What is the <laughs> meaning of his meaningless, serial violent, you know, basically meaningless violent? He's even criticized. He doesn't even develop characters. Well, why develop a character you're going to slaughter in five minutes? Yeah. Right, you're not developing characters. He, his, it's just a giant um, excuse for 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 bloodlust. Yeah. He just loves to see people gored and killed in all kinds of bizarre ways, and so so he gets this. His ultimate film, of course, is um, Inglorious Bastards, right? Yeah. And of course, you watch this film, and he what what he basically he just wants to have guiltless funds massacring people. So, so the pure so, righteousness. Well, and of course, the whole re the whole way. How can you slaughter a room full, a theater full of women and children? You 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 drag out a meme about the Holocaust. You tag the people you're about to massacre as Nazis, and then you proceed to massacring them, so you can have guiltless fun massacring people and depicting it. Yeah. Even though you have you you're having Jewish American servicemen. Depicted committing a Nazi-like atrocity, basically. Yeah. Right? In the name of their Nazis, we get to do it to them now. This is sort of and, – and, of course, what is the ultimate message behind – if you look at all of Quentin Tarantino's movies, what is the uh, – you know, from Kill Bill, I mean, to everything. I mean, what is the message? The underlying message is a, a completely gratuitous and meaningless series of absurd, violent episodes. Yeah. That are strung into ants, you yeah. know. Uh, you know what was the what was the movie that um, 
uh, Pulp Fiction, right? I mean, think of how episodic and absurd and almost not connected any of it was, except that each one was a a, a brief uh, chance to have some kind of outrageous violence. Yeah. You yeah. know. Uh, Inglorious Bastards is, I saw someone point out an interesting... So the the movie that the Nazis are watching is the propaganda film about the sniper, right? Who is just fearlessly killing uh, partisans or allies. The people in the theater are watching it, self righteous, full of watching their guy kill. Mm-hmm. Then the then the Jewish commandos come in and kill all the Nazis, self righteous killing, and we're in a theater watching the self right. It's this weird self-eating snake oh no and in fact the eerie feeling i had when i watched it was wait a minute somebody's gonna come into this theater and shoot me he's he's slaughtering his own audience he's he's showing his own audience that they're going to be they're on the dinner menu yeah it is right they're on the menu too yeah and there is that is the yeah that is the meta theme is that it isn't just the audience is nazis the the audience in the that the that the Jewish guys come in and slaughter the Nazis. They're not the only Nazis. The people that are actually watching Tarantino's movie are Nazis, and they deserve to be slaughtered by somebody. Yeah, and it goes on forever and ever. And, and it goes ever. on for yeah. It's and a the never only ending, justification yeah. is is its pure slaughter and destruction, which and and he obviously takes great glee in it. Sure, sure. Because and of it, the way it's made, the kind of the quirky humor that's interjected in it is like, oh, this is great fun, yeah. slaughtering people. And of course, there's a, this is the this is absurdism. There's it's, an absurdist thing, but it's it's for if I'm I'm absolutely convinced that Quentin Tarantino doesn't believe in God or creation or moral order or order of any kind. He believes that it's a chaos, and you should just take joy in the slaughter. It's and it always is the sort of. I think it's like Alan Watts was like, um, you know, the the tree is implied. If you see an acorn, the tree is implied. It's going to go into the soil. The water's going to hit it. It's going to grow. The sun's going to hit it. Right. You may not see it. To you, it may just be an acorn. But in that same way, the Earth peoples. You fly by the Earth a billion years ago. You see an atmosphere forming. You go, we're not seeing it yet. But oh, after a long series of events, there will be a New York with an iPhone and somebody taking a selfie. And yeah. I, 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 I quote Alex Jones. I was watching him like a year ago or two years ago. No, I was listening to him. He was on Tim Pool. And he was talking about all these kind of ancient, ancient societies that eventually turn into human sacrifice. And it always turned, you know, Tim Pool's kind of laughing at him. And Alex is like, I, you know, he's like, I know, I know who I am. Like, he, he knows he's, you know, kind of like a meme figure. And he's like, but the reality is, is this, is every continent and every century and every millennia and every religion anywhere on the globe that this comes up, the end result always turns into just mass slaughter. It takes a while to get there sometimes much like the acorn, but the end result is, so whenever I see something like it's just gratuitous pleasure or gratuitous, you know, or, you know, you shouldn't hate me. I just want to, you know, whatever, chop my dick off. And it's like, I get that. And I understand it's a nuanced gray area argument. I also understand that I'm 32 and have a limited understanding and experience of this world, but it always seems that the end result. And I, at the risk of sounding like Alex Jones is some form of demonic self-hatred destruction of all that is organic and beautiful and in the image of god it just always seems to be that way like it starts with like 
you know, and I don't. My, my one of my one of my best one of my best friends' family members is gay, and he's he's one of the coolest, most respectful dudes in in my life, and I genuinely look up to him. He is a role model, and so I don't. I'm not trying to sound like some crazy Southern Baptist preacher, but my point is this: is it always starts as something as small as just like let gay people get married, which I think is fine, but it's like man, and I hate and I hate to be this guy, but it's like it's been nine years. And there's girls chopping their tits off and getting dicks made out of out of their forearms. And it's like, at a certain point, man, it's like, how quickly... It starts with, like, we just want to lower greenhouse emissions. And then it's like, we want to get rid of fuel and people, if they starve, they starve. And now we just... What was it yesterday? Ireland needs to cull 200,000 cows. How is this not modern-day ritual sacrifice? And I get, at, at the risk of sounding like well, Alex Jones, this Alex is, Jones, is demonic. Alex, Alex Jones wants to have a devil theory and, and, and have this paranoid worldview that this is all caused by some outside force which there may be an outside force sure. doing it. But if you think about um, the real spiritual existence, um, what's really happening is is what, what we're all called to in our existence is the truth, right? We're called to the truth. So what is the truth? The truth of the particulars in reality and what we're confronted with. But then there's also the transcendental truths, just the beauty, truth, and goodness, right? So... The the thing is is that we are called. This is what we're called to to um, to. We're called to live it, and to and to realize that we're made for it, and that when we see something that's really genuinely good, and true and just, there's this feeling in us that well, that is really fantastic. That is meaningful. That is there's something deep here. I want more of that. When we see it and it's genuine, but what you have always is you have the counterfeit. You always have somebody trying to take a shortcut. You always have the lie, right? And people can live in this clown world false reality as um, as James Lindsay calls it, which is what Marxism and Hitlerism, all these other isms is what they are. The clown world false reality, which makes of you a clown – living in this false reality, believing these false things. And in, 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 in case in point, what Alex Jones believes, whether it's the, you know, the reptilian aliens of that soccer player sure. in, in Britain or, or the, the, um, the, the kind of creepy gods of Eden kind of uh, theme uh, that, that the aliens are really manipulating us and they're, they're feeding on our negative emotions or they're literally eating our flesh, whatever yeah. it is. Yeah. They're, they're drinking our blood, whatever it is. Th this is itself another false uh, narrative. And why is it false? We know because you look at the order in the universe and you look at – think of the goodness and the greatness of, of the creator who made all this. Do you think that he's really this awful demon who at the end of the, at the, end of the day is going to just swallow us all, eat us all up and devour us in some horrible nightmare? No, the idea, the, the, the demonic idea is the idea of the rejection of the fact that look at how beautiful this is. Look at how great this is. This is what we have to live up to. Yeah. This is the God we have to look up to and, and live up to and who wants us to be true and good and just. And we're just human and, and it's difficult. It's not easy. And so why do we always go wrong? Because – we're weak and we take the easy way out. And so civilizations crash again and again and tumble. But always there is in history, when there's this bad stuff that happens, there is a coming out the other side. Hmm. 
civilizations rise and fall. Good things come and go. It's not continuous because if if you if you think of of the world as a kind of um, of each generation being given a certain set of lessons to carry on, um, uh, it was Burke who said that that uh, society or civilization isn't just the current generation, but all the past and all the future. Our forefathers and our descendants are all here with us together in the now. Mm. Which is, and so he made his famous statement: "Those who do not look back to their ancestors will not look forward to their posterity." Mm. And 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 so it is. It is. We are in this moment of power in the in the moment where we can change things and we can decide and we can do. And it isn't some, you know, we 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 feel disempowered. I think Alex Jones feels like he has no power, and so he has to imagine this this demonic being. Uh, that is really guiding the destiny of mankind. No, the, this demonic being is not the one that created the universe. And and yes, you can succumb to evil and you can be weak and you can worship the devil if you want, which is the idolatry that many people follow is some version of that, right? But in the end, there is that that choice, that good and evil choice that everybody has. And guess what? We're all still here. And however, yeah, there, there's going to be bad moments in the future in history. But you know what? It the the earth abides. Well, that's a quote from the Bible. The earth abides. Despite civilizations rising and falling, we are still progressing slowly. It's a slow. It's a it's a big learning curve. I don't believe in in progress in that sense. Well, I'm, I, I guess I should mean. It's not all unequal. We start at zero, rise to 10, and fall back to zero. I mean, in terms of, even if you just want to say strictly physical, right? We have air conditioning. We have water. We have phones. You know, it's violence, you know, per capita is falling. It's so there well, is Well, think about sort of, this. Okay. Here's an analogy. See if you agree with this. Um, I can only throw an object up in the air so high before it comes down mm -hmm. with my strength. So humanity itself is like this person. It can only... It only has the strength to throw itself up so high, and then it will come down again, and it has the strength to keep throwing itself up to a certain level and falling down again. That is the biological and the spiritual limitation of what we are as as human beings in this world. Now, after we leave leave this world to be with God, what becomes of us, you know, the New Jerusalem, all the things in the Bible that are symbolic – that theologians talk about and people argue about for years, that's, we don't know. That's a mystery. We do know that we're here and we know what is expected of us here. And we also know this human limitation, which is one of the great um, things about uh, Christianity is that um, it, it talks about the sinful nature of man, that man is error prone, right? Sin is a word for error. It just, that's what sin means. That we don't, we're not omniscient, so we cannot see the full consequences of our actions. We have this, this, look, it's, it's hard. Life is hard. Can we, is there an easier way to do it? You know, and sometimes that easy way is really where the wickedness starts, right? Because you're taking shortcuts. You're not being entirely truthful. You're not being entirely uh, conscientious in what you're doing. And then, and you start cutting corners until finally you're with Quentin Tarantino wanting to slaughter all the people in the theater. Hmm. 
and 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 why this Moloch? Why devour people? Well, it, it's kind of interesting because because the desire to destroy and kill is the polar opposite of the desire to create, to create and go forth and multiply and to nurture. Right. It's always easier to break it all down. Right. Well, and that's was Karl Marx's whole thing was why how you know he's a destroyer. He wrote a poem when he was at university in which one of the lines of the poem was, you know, if if I could walk godlike through the ruins of the world having destroyed mankind, I would be the equal of God who created it. What a yeah. Fucking loser. Well, that that is a that is a a satanic notion uh and really um you know, one of the great epic poems is Milton's Paradise Lost, mm -hmm. where where Satan says, you know, better to reign in hell than serve in heaven, right? Better to rule over a kingdom of ashes than, you know. Right. Those. Because, and this is the desire to be God. Yeah. The desire to be God. This is, Just and biblical. you go back to this. Yeah, become like You the go God. to the back to the Garden of Eden. Yeah. And what does the serpent tempt Eve with? The serpent tempts Eve with the statement, well, surely you won't die if you eat of the fruit of the knowledge of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You'll become like gods. And see, God like... doesn't want you to be a god, so he's forbidden you to do this. Um, and so there is this, this you know, you, and you've got it in, in the Greek um, uh, mythology as well, this idea of hubris that a man wanting to become a god and then what happens to him right when he tries to be a god to sun, yeah. um this this is profound this is not just profound psychology it's profound spirituality it's mm. a profound insight into life and you look at these you look at hitler you look at julius caesar look at julius caesar is sort of uh symbolic and epigrammatic of the whole thing cuz caesar didn't remember it was a crime in rome to become a king Romans had overthrown the Tarquin kings, and they never wanted a king again. They had a republic. The name of king was cursed in the Romans. So how does Caesar, what does Caesar aspire to be? He gets this girlfriend, this Egyptian queen named Cleopatra, and she points out to him when he conquers Egypt that, well, you know, I'm a goddess. I'm Isis, hmm. you know, Cleopatra. You could be a god too. What do you need to be a king for? Yeah. You could just directly be a god. So he takes his mistress home with him to Rome and his and the son that they had between them. And he decides, he embarks on, he builds a temple of Venus. Who he claimed ancestry from Venus. And he puts a statue of a resemblance of Venus that is the image of Cleopatra in the temple. And he then turns away the crown, but he's what he really wants to be. This is the rumor, of course, he wants to be deified. He wants to be a god like his mistress. Right? He wants to be a god. And of course, what ends up happening to Julius Caesar is he ultimately, when his clan takes over and they, be, they become the total power in Rome, he becomes deified, the divine Julius hmm. and the divine Augustus and the divine and so on. They make themselves into gods. Hmm. But it's very interesting how they make themselves into gods. They make themselves into gods through having absolute political power. Hmm. And that is what the Marxists that's why statism and Marxism, is the contrary religion. to the withering away of the state of the Marxist theorists, it's it's the ultimate because the the real purpose is to become a god. Yeah, and you can only become a god. A man can only become a god by mastery of the state. Yeah, yeah, and it's again, it's under the complete illusion of it's we're doing it to abolish the state and for equality for all, and it's like. 
Man, you know, I, I, I respect something about like a ruthless billionaire because you know what they are. They want money. It's the people that have the. Well, there's got- a limitation on that, on money because money has its own rules and is its own game. But when you want to be God and you're going to use politics to do it, this is where totalitarian, it's total. But that, yeah, that's what I mean. It's like there's something, yeah. though, you know, maybe arguably somewhat evil or whatever, there is something I still, it's refreshing. You know what it is. A shark never, a shark never tries to pretend it's like a, a sea lion basking on a rock. You know what it is. Its eyes are black. It's got rows of teeth and it can sniff blood from a light year away. It's coming to rip your soul out. I, I, I kind of respect that about sharks. You know what it is. It's it, it's a marching. Except the shark doesn't rip your soul out. He just chomps on you when you're swimming. But, but, but nonetheless, you know what it is. Scary and evil, and I don't want anything of a part of it, but I, I can avoid it. It's the thing that disguises itself as, as, as windmills and rainbow flags. And I'm like, but it's a, it's a fucking demon. It, it's the anglerfish right. light. It's, I'd rather a shark because I see the shark and I go stay away from it as opposed to in the darkness, a nice little warm light. What is that? And it's an anglerfish. And it's like, that's a tricky subversive bastard. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And that is what we're basically up against. Mm. And so when people, you, you watch your TV, you watch a very entertaining series like Yellowstone or you watch a Quentin Tar- Tarantino movie. You are looking at something that is ultimately soul-destroying and at the very least it's trying to destroy your country and if you actually become mesmerized and in in imbibe the false values and the clown world unreality of that fake because because true art is supposed to represent reality true art is supposed to be true to reality and this is an art that is that falsifies reality in a very subtle, tricky way. And it's like you say, it's like candy. And people end up getting their values, their consciousness of what is a man and what is a woman, right? So you're going to go to Matt Walsh and what is a woman. And, and, and it turns out they can't tell you what a woman is. That's one of the most hilarious. How disoriented they are. Yeah, they can't tell you. There's something brilliant about Matt Walsh. And I don't really know anything about him. But I, I haven't even watched that film. But I know. Oh, it, it, it is brilliant. Yeah, I, I, yeah it's it's man. Some, what is some beautiful Streisand effect in the last week or so where Elon not only unbanned it but pinned it to his profile. And I think it's got something like 150 million views now. I mean, it, it's rivaling like Hollywood blockbusters, which is just its own beautiful poeticism. But um. Yeah. There's something it makes. I think it was koan, K O A N. So those like Buddhist things, like mental puzzles that are supposed to wake you mm-hmm. up. The one we all know is that you know if a tree falls in the forest, and no one's around to hear it. Doesn't make it sound. But it's supposed to be in theory these ideas that can just snap you into enlightenment. And I always love these sort of tongue twister things. I think it was 2017. What? What? Maybe 2018, when just uh, this anonymous group of people or person was just posting these flyers around town that said Islam is right about women. And no one could, I don't know if you remember that. And people are freaking out about it, but they're, when they were interviewed, they go, what's wrong about it? And there was just this mental break because is Islam wrong about women and that they are subservient and that if they show their skin, you should behead them. Or are you an Islamophobe? And you just saw the sparks fly. They'd be like, well, what's right. wrong about it? And the people would just walk, they'd go, it's just wrong. I'd be like, well, which one's wrong? Yeah, it's it's like the Star Trek episode where 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 uh, Captain Kirk defeats the robot by presenting him with a a a 
a logical fallacy. Well, yeah, and it's so when I see something like what is a, every once in a while you see these little hacks into reality that just it just yeah. the brain short circuits. Yeah, because the lie what is a, a lie cannot be consistent with the truth. Yeah, it has to be defended at all times. Right. A lie is, since it's not consistent with the truth, the clown world unreality lie, all you have to do is show the contradiction. It's thermodynamically it, unfavorable. Yeah. You have to constantly I mean, per, fight for it, right? Versus just Right. You, you it do just, because it's yes, continuously because remember uh, as we, in drama Life is a series of actions. We're, we're actors. We're acting in life. And that the meaning of it is unfolded in the action and in the dilemmas that we face and that action that we're participating in. So in a sense, we're living a story rather than watching one. Well, Although people have become watchers, they've become voyeuristic. But it is, it is really life is about the living of it and that living has to be in truth. Otherwise – there's going to be serious consequences down the road, and we're going to learn what's called lessons. Yeah. I mean, right, Winnie the Pooh, I think. Uh, if you tell the truth, you don't need to remember anything. And it's, you know, it makes me think of, like, let's let's say we didn't actually go to the moon. I think we did. It's not really... I love conspiracies. On a side note, I don't really see the value in that one because it's, <laughs> it's the, the... Whatever. But the point is this. Let's say we didn't go. All right. Sure, I'll 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 take a bite at that Cold War. It's a propaganda win. All right, sure. If the empire is still in control, the United States, which at the moment it still is the global hegemon, and now that other countries are sending rovers to the moon, well, if we didn't actually go, we got to go up there and go put a rover in some footsteps. Because if they find out that that's bullshit, we're still in charge. Now, if our civilization falls, who cares if they find out the lie? We lost. We're over. Well, already Japanese, Indian, and Chinese uh, probes have orbited the moon and, and over those sites and photographed them. I, I know that. I've interviewed right. Charlie Duke, who's walked on the moon. He's Apollo 16 astronaut. I'm with you. I'm just we're throwing this out here as, an, as a philosophical idea. Right. Now, if you're yeah, still the, you're, it, yeah. Okay. So if you're still the hegemon, which you are. Right. If you're not and you die and the empire falls, who cares if they find out the lie? But if you're still right. in charge 50 years later, 60 years later, 70 years later, you got to go up there. You got to put some bootsteps down. But you see that itself is symbolic of the lie. It requires so much energy and it requires and, and more and more energy over time and exponential. There's interest right. on it and it and it and more and more programs of silence. So now the guys that Wait, go up there, you guys are now all sworn to secrecy. and We got to tell them and make sure they don't leak. You see, it just builds and it builds and it builds and you eventually the tax man cometh. And it's the truth. Yeah. The truth breaks through. And if it doesn't break and, through. And it's the, it's the madness of narcissism. Yes. The narcissist is living a lie. Yes. You and know, the, he's living a false. The narcissist is living, uh, is, is a, it's the denial of the true self, the truth about yourself. You've got a phony self. Yeah. You're projecting it. And the more phony and the more intensely you have to project and all your, till all your energy is just absorbed in this, this false thing you've become. There's like, and I saw some like expansion on this idea of like, you know, let's say that through electron entanglement, we somehow centuries in the future discover you know, instantaneous teleportation. Well, then you could theoretically put a super powerful telescope a hundred light years away from Earth and then zoom back in on Earth and watch Earth in real time. Well, if the people that are were in charge then are still in charge now or vice versa, they'd be going, oh, shit, people are going to zoom in on Dealey Plaza and they're going to see multiple muzzle flashes. Oh, shit, they're going to... And you just see the lie gets bigger and bigger 
and it there's interest on the interest on the interest and you can see kind of coded into the universe itself it's like it requires so much work and defense that it's not thermodynamically favorable it's not entropy it's that the truth is just the truth you don't need to defend it you don't need to you know, my grandparents pass away. They're not burning all their belongings because you're going to go in their closet and find out they're a KGB spy. No, they're just, they just die and they leave their stuff. I mean, it's just, they're just loving people. It's just that you don't need to, you don't need to hide anything, right? It's, there's no secret to this podcast. You could come into my apartment. You could find my hard drives that have all of these podcasts. Yeah. Or you just go to Spotify, just download them. They're all there. There's, I'm not defending anything. And you see built in to lying and dishonesty into any sort of inversion of that which is God, that which is holy, that which is a manifestation of the divine, requires more and more work. It's the alcoholic that has to drink more and more and more to not get withdrawals. It just, mm-hmm. it's just built into. It's the fabric it's of a, reality it's a, itself. It's a trap. You have to come back to reality eventually. Something is going to force you back. Yes. You you have to. It's like gravity. Yeah. It's gonna it's gonna take you there. You're gonna go there one way or another, kicking and screaming. You might as well go with grace. Yeah. Yeah, and, and uh, see that this is what it is yes. to the to from the beginning to the end anyway. Yes, yes, and it's like another thing is just I think about like in terms of on that thread of like of of natural of the flow of the natural is I mean I always think about back to biology gradients and membranes and if you've got more glucose on this side of the cell and less on this side the glucose is naturally going to flow in there water finds its level. Man, when the Berlin Wall when the Berlin Wall fell, which who ran from where to who ran from where to two? On the southern border, what's the gradient? Where are they going? Well, as as a KGB officer once told me, when they when they saw the statue of Felix Dzerzhinsky being gently taken down by a crane, they realized that everything in the fall of the Soviet Union was under control. <laughs> <laughs> so he told me. So, so we knew there was no problem. Everything was under control. Um, but but right now it might not be. But um, with that, um, I, I think we're pretty much done. Is there was there any questions no. you wanted to ask me about that? No, I, I, this I, is I enjoy the natural flow of these. Yeah, it's the, it's the discourse of you know. So when people watch TV, they should be aware. They should develop the discernment. Hmm. As James Lindsay says, it's all about discernment. You have to see what they're trying to open the top of your head and pour in. And as you said early on in the show, the constant modification from Marx to Lenin to whatever. So they are modifying yet again. And it's it's the most it's the most present form. It's through your TV. It's on Netflix or whatever the hell it's on. It's yeah, it it is. It is. The battle is is never ending. Yeah, it is. Um, It's it's ideally we should be given good models uh good examples to follow uh, what what ideally would would be the best entertainment is to show real goodness show it in its true light that we go wow that is so neat well, that is what i what i want for my country and myself that is but instead we're shown all this degradation and this horrible nonsense well if you again go back to earlier in this conversation you know the worst thing you can do is give it, give it to someone, right? You give welfare, you're making them dependent. Maybe this is a blessing from God. Instead of giving you the good lessons, it's going, here's the shit. And we're going to use our own mental power to go, this is bad. And we were taught yeah. that. It's You can you can learn by having something really bad happen to you or something really horrible it's, it's, presented it's, it's, to you. It's, it's, you can suddenly the, crave the, the good. It is the best way of learning. 
Yeah, it, it is in fact. Yeah, I, and I, and, I, and so the the world is maybe a learning. Well, that's tool. exactly what it is. It's, it, it, yeah. Once you zoom out enough and pray enough and ask God for enough wisdom, you examine it. You realize you're in you're in school. You're yeah. taking a curriculum, as Ramdas yeah. said. You know, eventually you realize. Well, as Ramdas's guru said to him, "You're in you're in school. Why don't you take the curriculum?" At a certain point, you go. I might as well pass the test. I'm here, right? Yeah, that's what I'm here yeah. for. And um, yeah. yeah, that's uh, that's you know, and bad things being lessons. Those are that's the best way to learn is to is through is through harsh reality. It's very hard to learn a lesson on a sunny day when the birds are chirping. <laughs> it is. It is harder. Yeah. It is. It's you. It is. You'll learn it through uh, through hell. But um, with that. Let's wrap this one up. Guys, please go into the description. Please go follow Mr. Nyquist. Go grab his books. And um, thank you for doing this on short notice, man. I always enjoy talking to you and uh, can't wait for the next one. All right. Thank you, Tommy. Mr. Jeff Nyquist. Love you, brother. Guys, thank you for watching. God bless. God does win. There is good. Don't be a nihilist. Don't go for gratuitous pleasure and violence. It's all the demon. It's the anglerfish. It's trying to trick you. Don't fall for it. It's an evil guy. Thank you so much. Recording Guys, stopped. thank you for watching. Peace.